Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast for the recently deceased. I'm Nate Roberts. I am Rodney Godek, joining you once again. What is up, brother? Not too much, my man. Not too much. Um, how are you doing? Good. Uh, I took the day off work. It was snowing up in upstate New York. Uh, oh, we yeah. got several inches, heavy wet snow. Doing the driveway was a uh, slog. Yeah, yeah. We closed the restaurant, but we kept both retail shops open and uh, actually did okay um, at the retail level, but just way too much staff uh, that would have to have dr- driven in for the restaurant. So, yeah. All right, um, we're back with another episode, episode 18. Um, we're going to be talking about Choose or Die and All My Friends Hate Me. Uh, once again, uh, if you have not seen these movies, you should, unless you don't care about spoilers, because we will be talking about major plot points, um, as well as any twist endings and things like that. Yeah, so we're going to start with Choose or Die, correct? Yeah, Choose or Die is up first, um, and uh, let's just uh, let's just get right to it. Mm-hmm. After firing up a lost 80s survival horror game, a young coder unleashes a hidden curse that tears reality apart, forcing her to make terrifying decisions and face deadly consequences. So... Um, I'd say that this was pretty accurate um, of a description, and it doesn't give away too much. Uh, you know, the title, yeah. Cho- Choose or Die, kind of says, hey, that's what's going to be happening. Um, mm-hmm. So what do we get here? Written and directed by Toby Meekins, uh, written by a couple other people. Uh, we get some nice uh, audio cameo from Robert Englund, which was, I thought, fu- uh, pretty fun. <laughs> well, yeah, they needed they needed a way to convince people to watch this uh, and dangling Robert England as a reason. Like, oh, I love Robert. I, I love her. Nightmare. So I'm, I want to see what he's doing in this. That'd be sweet. And then uh, I'm sure everyone that watched this that was excited for that uh, were very disappointed. We're very disappointed by him not actually appearing in the movie. Um, right. But, but we get some voice. Uh but that's okay. That's okay. Because uh, what else did we get? We get uh, so right in the first scene we have uh, Eddie uh, Marsan um, and his family. Uh, his his son and wife are arguing in the other room, and yeah. you even you know the wife goes so far as to disparage him a little bit because he walks he walks in and doesn't say anything, and then he just like goes to his man cave, and she goes, and of course your father isn't gonna isn't gonna chime in. Um, yeah, and uh, he sits down mm-hmm. and he cracks open a beer and he loads up this this video game on a on like a old Atari. I think it was a 1050. So it was like the computer version, right? So there's like a keyboard and it takes tapes. It's like a tape deck instead of a disk right. drive. Uh, and the game is called Cursed, right? Curse, cursor, 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 cursed the... with the greater than. R, so it's like cursor. Cursor, yeah. Um, I assume that's how that's meant to be said. I, I don't think yeah. I'm missing anything there. I think it's no, just cursor. No, no, I think you got it. I think it's called cursor. It was. It's cool for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, with the you know the black screen with the neon green graphics, um, you know right. everything we everything we get from cursor um, on screen is pretty cool. Yes. 
yeah, the way that the the game is designed and the way it interacts uh, with the user font and it's a choose your own adventure type thing. Actually, yeah. a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but I saw some people comment how they would have appreciated if this was like an actual choose your own adventure show. Sort of like how Bear Grylls has his own fucking choose your own adventure. Have you seen any of that on Netflix yet? No, I haven't. I don't know if it's just because the kids um, profile that I have for the boys, it loads on there. I don't know if it's come across my uh, profile on Netflix, but there's a Bear Grylls uh, out in the wild type thing where he's going to, he has to bring medicine to this village and he gets to a point. He's like, well, I could use this machete or I could use this rope and you pick on the screen, which one to do like a choose your own adventure book. And then he does the activity, and sometimes what he does will lead to him dying or failing the mission. Not really dying, but like, oh, we're not going to be able to get out of this now. And then you have to go back. Okay. Some people thought that that would be a cool twist to this, where you could pick the outcome of the the thing. Yeah, no, that would have been awesome. And that's a, that would be a great, like experiment you know for for netflix to make it would not be a movie at that point it would be an art piece it would be completely different we couldn't talk about it in the same context right but it would be be a game Um, yeah 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 it would have made this film interesting which it wasn't just don't listen to him this film was plenty (laughs) interesting him uh (laughs) so yeah so the film starts where this uh the his name's hal He's uh, starting this game, and he's interacting with the first level. I can't remember the option, but it says more or less you're in a cave. Right. And, you have, and you're, you're, having, you're having a You're drink. having a beverage. Yeah. yeah. And, you're, and your beverage is emptied. Refill or leave cave. And he's like, refill. And, like, it cracks a new beer, and it's on his, on his uh, table. Whatever is happening in the game is impacting his setting. Right. And then he's like, whoa, and he starts playing with it. And they kind of hype it at this point to be sort of the supernatural presence that's going to interact in the environment as if it's some entity. But they kind of, it's a misdirect, really, ultimately, in the film. Right. And right. I, But I like that angle. I wish they would have driven that more so than they did because it sort of left it as like an ambiguous thing or the idea of a curse, which makes sense with the title of the game, but... As far as what would be interesting, as far as the characters interacting with something, it would have been better had it done more stuff. Like, he picks up the bottle and it says one thing, or it says, look behind you, right? Right. And so and so he does, and then he looks back at the bottle and it's like, fooled you. And I'm like, oh, that was kind of funny. Uh, yeah. I was entertained. <laughs> yep. And then, uh, and then it says, um, ears or tongue. And all you, you know, I mean, you don't really know what's, what's, that means but you hear you know obviously the the wife and son kind of still fighting in the background and um then it's asks again then it says choose or die then it asks again then it says choose or die then it says choose or die a million times on the screen Mm -hmm. and he he like runs out to see that and like it's he's getting all this feedback in his ears and he's like because i guess he doesn't want to make a choice but the game is starting to do its thing to To force you, sound right? Or whatever. Yeah. So he says tongue, and he comes out to to find the tongue of his his son is in her yeah. is in his wife's hand, and she's holding yeah. scissors in the other hand. Um, and then it um cuts to three months later. Right. So that's all we so get to see uh, yeah. from that group that crew. 
Um, it was a fine start. I was not yeah. completely taken out. This was still kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, it was a little heavy-handed. Like, I get it. He's sort of like a nerdy older guy that likes the nostalgic video games that he grew up with. And that's fine. It was a little overdone. But the premise was cool, this thing that's interacting. Oh, it, it ends with him having a choice to leave the game. But in order to leave the game, he has to make copies of the game. And so he distributes copies of the game. It says make copies and like the screen shows his one copy of the game. And then it shows a bunch of arrows with the game going out. So the idea is that he has made copies in order to stop playing. He had to make copies and just put them out into the, the universe. And right. that's what he does. Now we're three months later to our main characters. Right. And uh, we'll start with uh, Iola Evans playing Kayla. She is um, like an overnight um cleaner cleaner mm-hmm. yeah. yeah cleaner uh with another with a whole group of uh, women who clean this uh, one office building and uh they're all getting paid and there's some funny dialogue um where this uh one of the cleaners is pregnant and she looks at her envelope and she goes it's short and the the lady who runs the crew is like you're lazy, and she's like, "I'm pregnant." She goes, "You're pregnant and lazy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she goes to her friend Isaac's house, uh, played by Asa Butterfield, who you'll recognize from *Ender's Game*, *Sex Education*, um, and he is the, uh, the another nerdy character. Um, well, the first one, so we don't know. That Iola is also a nerd or programmer, obviously, at this point. Right. But, she but just she... shows up there, and yeah. he's busy typing away and talking to his computer because he's designing a character. The character looks like her because he obviously right. has a thing for her. Right. And she sneaks up, spooks him, and they kind of just start having banter and talking about shit. She's, like, fidgeting with the parts. I can't remember if she brings one or she takes one from him an old uh, computer system that she wants to refurbish or something. I think she takes it with her. Right. To try to fix it. Well, that's that's it. That's coding. the Well, that's the Atari and then that's the tape. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then she's like, you know, meet me at this diner at 1:30 and we'll we'll run it." Um, cuz I guess that's what she gets out of work. And that's our kind of interaction. And then she goes home so we get to meet you know, meet her mom and learn a little about her home life and um her mom's just kind of comatose on the couch staring at the TV. Um, so there's like a, a, a smoking like meth pipe like behind yeah. her head. Um, she's like, I need my medicine. <laughs> and Kayla's like, you keep doing that shit, you're going to be dead. You want to be dead? <laughs> right. Okay. So I want to get into the fact that like these are the like the cookie cutter most least interesting characters ever like the fact that the mother is addicted to drugs and just sort of like zoned out and like it's like okay she's gripping the doll and she's playing the doll that has the voice of the son who obviously is not around and obviously is passed because everyone looks morose and she's got the crack pipe and the kid is the surrogate head of the household because the mother is too gone detached from the world from this trauma it's like it's so heavy-handed it's not very interesting it's just it's obvious it's just there it's yeah it's, i don't uh, think there's really much 
it's not it's not new territory. We've seen right. it before, and not only have we seen it before, we've seen it before in horror movies. It's mm-hmm. it, it it is definitely a cookie cutter like setup. I think. Um, well, and it just it could have been like it left. To me, it's just that there's lots of moments of that where things are just standard. Like, okay, well, in a movie like this, we have to do this before we do that. And I feel like there's a lot of times in this movie where they default to that, where it's like, okay, what's the next thing that's supposed to happen? Let's go do that. Um, which could be fine, but I don't think that they do enough to make things interesting or unique to keep you interested in it. For me, that's what kept leaving me from taking uh, to getting immersed into it. And mm. so this is like the first start starts of it, the fits of it, where just early on it just feels that way. Um, you know, the, the love interest where he's obviously fawning for her but she's cool and calm and it's just all standard stuff and i'm waiting for him to do something interesting or different and for me it just never gets there okay all right well let's let's talk about the next scene where she is waiting for um him to show up yeah she's at the diner i didn't remember her saying that she was going to meet him but whatever the case is she said what she said yeah she said 1 30 so it's two o'clock and she texts him uh this is why you don't have a girlfriend uh, oh right, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then she goes and and look, look, oh, well, the waitress comes over and says, "Hey, you gotta go. You've been sitting here forever." And she's like, "Just give me a minute." And um, she pops open her laptop and uh, loads up the game. Mm-hmm. And the first run of the game I thought was pretty fun. Um, she uh, it's uh, coffee or cake, right? And the menu says coffee, cake, and. Uh-huh. Then when she gets the coffee, the waitress like teleports to her space and just like right. pours the pours the coffee. Say and, when. So, yeah. So now, so okay. So the app is manipulating the waitress, right? Yeah. And and then but then she looks back at the menu and the menu is normal again. So this uh, whatever it does, it kind of like, you know, it distorts reality and then it can you know can just put it back to normal apparently. Yeah, it has um, control over the people in it. They turn into NPCs, more or less, that do what she wants them to do, uh, or her choices are indicating. But they are still very much real people, and we'll find out here in a second. Like They're cognizant or aware of what they're doing, but they have no control over their, their bodies, own yeah, bodies at yeah. this point. Yep, so uh, the next question is something like... Uh bend or break or something like that but it's it you know it's clever it's cleverly worded but it's break break is the choice that she that she goes with and the waitress starts pulling glasses off the shelf and just throwing them softly down and they're just shattering at her feet and um the owner is like sleeping in a booth uh right Mm -hmm. there and then it's like uh you want her to stop and she goes yes and then shop or clean it says something or clean right well no no then it says it says would you like her to clean it up and he and she goes yeah she's like clean and then she gets down on her knees right into the glass and just starts and and starts eating the glass now i would have preferred her to eat the glass a little more ravenously um the one at a time i thought was a little weak uh but i still i still enjoyed it it was stupid. It was. It was stupid. It was. It was so. Like it eating glass. Like it was her expression, the way that she did it. You know, the slow crunch. Yeah. And like she's looking like she's whimpering, but she's slowly biting it. It's like it just. It's. 
to your point, the more ravenous or something yeah. different. The way it was shot, it wasn't to me. It didn't uh, get me excited or like it wasn't big gore. Yeah, it was. And this film is going to do this a lot of times, where it's it's sort of like we want to be like Saw. That's kind of what we want to do. We want to be kind of like Saw. We kind of want to be like Would You Rather. We kind of want to be like all these other better films, but we're not. But we might want to trick you into thinking that we are, and please consider us to be that good so that we can keep doing garbage movies. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> so now now she's, uh, the main character now, Kayla, is completely like, shocked scared she has no idea what's going on she actually tries to run over there to stop her and um the owner hops out of his uh booth and kind of starts to scream this really like digital high-pitched sound and he starts glitching like on the spot like stopping her but she just kind of throws him out of the way and like tries to stop the girl anyway Mm mm-hmm yeah, she's uh, like she's got both hands on it. She can't really physically restrain her. She's still kind of doing it. And at this point, I think she's like gripping the glass, and because she keeps trying to bring it in, but she can't eat yeah. it anymore. Um, and this is where uh, it, it. I think it goes to goes back to the screen, and it says, um, a, you know, a worthy opponent, level one complete. See you same mm-hmm. time. To, see, say see you same time tomorrow. Right um, for the second level. Right, but I don't think she she doesn't see that, so. No, I think she freaks out and closes the screen, right? Yeah, so she's gonna get like pulled into it in the next uh, night, and then after that she'll see it and she'll know that every night is the next level. So that's so yeah. that was that that is one thing that I liked. Uh, two things that I liked in this from this scenario, is that the guy didn't show up, so she went through it alone. Um, mm-hmm. And the second thing is that. The, le- the levels are going to be nightly, right? She's not going to go right into level two. This isn't like an, uh, an entire event that's taking place in a night. She's not going to have to run her laptop to wherever he is yeah. to be like, oh my God, this crazy shit's happening. Level two is about to start. What do I do? You know, um, it got, it got to take its time a little bit and they got to, there got to be a mystery that they're like trying to unravel instead of just like, like a saw movie where once the once the panic starts it just doesn't stop until it's over yeah so that's that's a fair point the structure that they're developing with the way that this game interacts with the characters is unique and could be interesting the trouble that it's going to have throughout the whole film in a film like this is that why they set up their own plot devices to progress the narr- the narrative, and the only thing that's really keeping your interest is waiting for the next crazy fucking thing to happen. And a shitty movie will just rely on that to guide it. A more interesting or dynamic movie will have the other parts, the lulls or the in-between, the intense action and gore, they'll be interesting and you'll care. And for me, I never engaged that other part Uh, because they were boilerplate type characters and the interactions I thought were very flat. It didn't grab me to keep me excited. So I was just waiting for the next thing to happen. And I thought that they were fine, you know, as we get into it. They just didn't elevate anything beyond this thing happened. And so, like, 
I think it could be a good device. I just think that there's certain things where they're not tweaking it the way that they did. Maybe it's editing, maybe it's the way it's written uh, or shot or acted, but there's something lacking for me that I can acknowledge these things are interesting in a lot of ways, but it's not pulling me in in an exciting way. So anyways, she, anyway. yeah, she, that's, I think she wakes up uh, after this and she's kind of like, like, oh yeah, well, was it real? Not, not sure. Yeah, 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 she's questioning it. And so she ends up going to work. Like you said, the next time that this is going to happen, she's at work, correct? Right. Yes. But before that, there's just one bit um, where she meets the drug dealer, her mom's drug dealer. Oh, Lance. Uh, yeah. And uh, fucking douche. Douche and gives like yeah, the douchiest non drug yeah. dealer drug dealer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who, um, you know, insinuates that. Um, that for you know for twenty bucks he'd probably bang Kayla. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, if she was you know if she was if she ever needed twenty bucks. Uh... Yeah, it's like it's over the top sleazeball type yeah. stuff. Uh, also, uh, but that's the other thing too. Like he's a super predatorily uh, aggressive character, but she's like, oh, this is life. He's gonna go fuck my mom and give her drugs. What? What can I do? What can I do? And it's kind of like Jesus. It's, yeah, it's a bit heavy to be so casual about it. Well, I mean, what can you do when you're taking care of your drug dealer mom? I like, I don't know, or dr drugged know, up mom, drugged up, depressed mom. Um, so, so the one little note here is that um, the mom has this paranoid delusion about rats, and uh, and yeah, she hears them in the walls. She, yeah. she hears the rats in the walls. And right. Kayla and Kayla has basically this canned response that like calms her down. So, we fast forward to, she's at work that night, and there's a desk in the middle of the room with a computer monitor on it, and the game starts. Yeah, I think that, that they do a cool thing with the lights, because it's sort oh, of like an yeah. office building. An office building where it's all open, sort of like, um, you know, Bruce Wayne's Batcave in the Christopher Nolan series, where it's all white, you know? They've yeah. done music videos in that fucking location, I think. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was Drake's, I can't remember. Anyways, yeah, they do the cool lighting effect where it's like a nightclub type fucking the green light, the digital light. I love all that light. I love that atmosphere yeah. related to the game and that feeling like you're in the technology. I do love that aesthetic. And this was cool moment where they trans uh, transition into that setting and she sees the table that wasn't there a minute ago draped in plastic. She runs over, pulls the plastic off, and the game is ready to start level two. Yep, and she gets a phone call, and it's her mom, and she immediately starts screaming about the rats, and she says something, you know, she says her key response, and she keeps screaming about the rats, and you hear the rat noises over the phone now. <laughs> yeah, and, you do. The and I, and I, video I, game, yeah. that's real rat screeches. It's I, funny. I loved this sequence, okay? So we've got, we've got player one, player two, and the screen loads up, and you've got a character in a bathroom, which she says she locked herself in the bathroom. Okay, she's in the bathroom. Or, no, she's not in the bathroom. She's in the... She's in the bedroom. One of the... Yeah, she's in the bedroom, right. Yeah. And then you've got living room, and then you've got a couple other smaller rooms, and then you've got Kitchen bathroom. Kitchen and yeah. bathroom, yeah. So the choice comes up, uh, living room or dining room. And uh, because she's in the bedroom and the living room's here and the door out is there, and the rat is in the bathroom all the way on the other side, she thinks she's controlling her mom and types living room. And the rat runs from the bathroom into the living room. 
And so you're like, oh shit, she's controlling the rat, and she's got to like time, time it with the with the mom to get her out of the house. <laughs> so she uh, then the next one, bathroom is a choice again. So she sends the rat back to the bathroom, and she tries to get the mom to run. She tries to run, but the rat sees her and chases her back into the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And now the rat saw her, so it's like at the door, and it was uh, charge or chew. So she figures with chew, she'll buy her mom some time. She's like, mom, you got to jump out the window. And she types in chew, and it's, like, coming through the wall, and it's saying, like, meat, meat is, like, all over the place. And she ends up jumping out the window and uh, as the rat chases her to the window. And um, she, like, spikes the, the monitor into the floor as the supervisor comes out the elevator, immediately gets fired, cut to her next to her mom in the hospital. So yeah, she you didn't just lost she, your job, bud. Yeah, yeah, she didn't die though, but um, no, yeah, I guess it was a not that high up in the air, uh, not that yeah. maybe second floor, maybe Se- second, maybe second floor, but even yeah. then, did that's ten plus feet maybe, yeah. and uh, so a couple things, I I did love the imagery of the video game in this level. Yeah, it was I, cool. The little pixelated drawings of oh, the. Yeah. Mom, the rat, the, the rat, mom, were yeah. cool as fuck. The suspense I thought in this scene was 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 good too, and I like how they did it without showing you anything. Like right, like like we did have. You some never of, saw the real world. Yeah, you, you never saw, saw the video game version of the mother and the rat. <laughs> right, right. So and the like, rat was as big as the mother. Right. Uh, yeah, she was. The rat was gigantic because, uh, right. as we'll see, uh, or not, we'll we won't see the rat, but we'll see the damage to the apartment. Right. <laughs> in a moment. Um, so I mean, that, that was. I think that this was a this was much better performance from level level one. Yeah. This was much more interesting, and probably because they didn't show something stupid happening, like a girl eating, eating sugar. Glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it was. It was. It pulled you out of it. This was just a dumb video game type rendition of it, and it was much more uh, pleasing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And and once again, I think. This movie, as a as a horror movie, and once again, I thought would probably be funny because of the retro nostalgic style of movies like this, um, right. is not playing any comedy, and and I think the suspense is actually pretty good. Like, um, there are a handful of jump scares in here. Um, one or two of them got me pretty good. Uh, I didn't. You know, jump scares. Nor- one, one got me good for sure. Yeah, that's coming yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. I normally like jump scares. They just like you know roll right off me. But I and a fizzle. Yeah, but in this, um, I think they did a pretty good job with the tension. Uh, so she goes back home, uh, to find the drug dealer once again. Uh, follows her in to look at the damage. And uh, her place is destroyed. There's a huge hole gnawed out of the, out of the <laughs> door. It says yeah. meat. It's meat is like carved into the wall, <laughs> which, uh, which doesn't make sense. But it's neat. It's cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any cool. sense. Uh, Lance uh, is like, looks like mommy dearest is gonna be staying with me. Uh, as he gets uh, increasingly creepy, um, and then he goes, she goes to uh, Isaac. So she tried to tell Isaac about right. the diner, and he was just like, "Blah, you're, uh, you're obviously just like not sleeping well." 
um, right. which I think is the is the go to when a woman is talking crazy about crazy hey, stuff. Hey, take back the night. <laughs> yeah. Believe women. <laughs> so, so this time he's like, "I believe you. I believe you. Um, what are we gonna do about it?" And she she's like, "Well, we got to play the game uh, tonight." And uh, I guess she wants him to be there, which I think is probably a bad choice considering the game tends to affect the people around her. Right. That like something's going to happen where he's going to do something bad or hurt himself right. or whatever. So yeah, it was, it's a bad idea. She should know that like it's going to interact with people that are close to you or whatever. Right. But I mean, I guess the second level, it just went, it went else, wherever so. it wanted to go. So the game's going to do what the game's going to do. And, right. and I actually like the, the spin. Cause I definitely thought he was going to be the target of the third night. Instead, he, uh, like, so when the game wakes up and says, uh, you are with your loyal squire, mm -hmm. um, and then, and that's when it starts to show itself to Isaac, and he starts to, you know, in disbelief that it's affecting the real world, um, kind of, oh, shit, this yeah. is real. Um, yeah. What and he's gonna... kind of, like, enamored with it at first, like, oh, this is kind of cool or weird or what the hell? Um, and then, yeah, they see the red door, blue door. Red door, like, blue oh, door. Never, never choose, never choose red, the red door. Red. He goes to the blue door and he whisper, he hears the whisper of the word die, <laughs> which sounded like the younger brother to me, um, right away because we mm -hmm. did have like a, we had like a dream with him or something with her she might so, have had a dream so we already yeah, knew, okay. we already knew about the the little brother before this scene somehow uh so they choose a red door they go in and it comes to the pool that he drowned in but it's covered in fog right and uh they go in there and there's a little because well, yeah, she she hears the brother she sees the brother oh. she's chasing the brother yeah and the brother goes in the pool so she goes down the ladder and Isaac's down there, and, like, they can't see each other in this right. pool. It's all fog, and they're, like, running around and can't see each other, don't, you know, um, to where eventually uh, I think the brother attacks... Um, attacks Isaac. The brother, the brother is Ricky. Right, Ricky. Ricky yep. attacks Isaac. And kills and him. Seemingly, and then, yeah. Seemingly, right, seemingly yeah. kills him. Then lays, yeah. there, then lays there also seemingly dead, and the game makes her choose between saving Ricky or Isaac. Well, she chooses Isaac because right. obviously this is the game and that's not her brother. Her brother's dead and she's over it and moved on, even though it's still sad and even though her mother hasn't. Um, so Isaac comes to life and this was the lamest of the, uh, of the games. <laughs> well, this, and also the most insane and like not, realistic to me oh sure sure the jump scare here was great uh she saves isaac and then all of a sudden out of nowhere ricky attacks attacks uh her. kayla from the side yeah it's yeah. like like after midnight type jump scare where the monster comes from the side of the screen and just yeah. wipes her out and so then she starts wrestling with her dead brother this is a ghost but it's real it's it has tangible qualities they're fighting each other and so she has to overpower him. She gets on top of him, and she and starts to fucking snuff him out. She has and to suffocate him. She has to strangle him to death, 
to move on. This would not happen. This is well, not like the game... she followed him because she wanted to be with him, and she was yeah. chasing him this whole time. The and game... so for her, and like, and he's crying like a little brother, like, yeah. no, please don't, like, and she's like, no, no, you're not real. The fact that she's so easily able to do this, I find shocking. She knew it was the game. She knew it was the game fucking with her, you know. Um, but she didn't a minute ago when she chased him, thinking that she had to find him, and that he might be alive. I don't know. Maybe she didn't think that. She didn't say that out loud. Okay. <laughs> it was definitely the weakest game. I will. I will. I will concede that point. <laughs> yeah. So it's like she drowns him. Again. Yeah. Again. Yes. Um, and they come back out the door, and uh, the game says congratulations. See you tomorrow for level five. Uh, is that what it fucking does? Yeah. So. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. It says to come back or whatever. Yeah. So then they. This is the investigation to, part, right? This is where we're gonna get exposition and everything yeah. too. Yeah. This is yeah. where they need to figure it out because they can't go through that again. Right. So he finds the original programmer and some like video footage of like he's able to take like the code like it's all analog stuff right. and he's talked about like how that if people would smurf the phones and you could do the thing to to make any call and so right. he's able to to pull out the the sound in some way and convert it to text through some other bullshit right old hackers type shit hack the planet yeah uh, yeah and he finds the address which is upstate. Uh, New York. Yep, yep. And they drive up because it's uh, it's not that far, and it's like a abandoned schoolhouse. No, it's 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 like a big like industrial park type oh, thing. It's a warehouse sure. type setting, which is also it, it, funny. Like it doesn't make any sense. They just get a random address and like they come into this abandoned parking lot and they're driving all fast and they're like. <laughs> and it's like it's just a fucking chain link fence with a keep out sign and they're like yep this is the place okay <laughs> I get... and then they walk in and they find just where they need to go they find the old video equipment or whatever yeah um and this is where they get their uh the the beta test exposition type right. story happens right right so uh so the guy who figured out the curse and created the game um because I guess he found the curse, and he was able to put the curse into the video game. Yeah, um, he talks was, about like, it. He's his, doing like a... Yeah, his only way to contain it, so that the curse didn't run rampant in the world, was to was to convert it into this code. And then he made a game out of it. Just, I don't know, so it had a shell or whatever. Right, and he's um, testing it. He's got a, a lab rat person that he's going to do the game yeah. on. It's like a college and kid who's getting paid for some testing, and it's, they. It's like a reference to Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, it, no, it definitely is. Like, it's like when I get paid for this, I'm kicking your ass. <laughs> I don't know, three wavy lines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so he's telling the camera that um, whoever oh, like owns the curse um, is going to be uh, helped by whatever the curse harms. Um, yeah. so he like, so he types in arm or something and yeah, I don't guy, remember what he, what he yeah. does. The guy chooses arm. So as soon as he chooses arm, the guy like stabs himself in the arm and the test subject starts eating his own arm. 
And as mm -hmm. the test subject's eating his arm, his arm heals. Right. And he does... Yeah, okay, so now... Oh, so now we know. Okay, that's what that does. Okay. So, I mean, I pretty pretty much think they go right to level 5 after this. Or, no, they're, they're well, still... Level 5 hits, gets them here, doesn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, they, they're here, and I'm trying to remember now because... Fuck. Something happens... Oh, it's the rewind or fast forward. They do the next level somewhere, and this is where um, Isaac has the next level is impacting him. Right. Well, so something happens. So I think the next level, the game cheated, right? The game cheated because they were cheating. The, right, yeah, right. they talked about the, cheat codes. Yeah, the and they game... do this. I forgot about this dumb fucking scene. Yeah, they did the, the the car the, tra the car the, transition. The car. <laughs> so the so so when they go on this road trip, it starts off in the video game. It shows the car going off, and then it says cheat mode, cheat mode, cheat mode, and then it like fades into real life. And they're like talking. It's like a montage. They're like yeah. swerving, getting points, and the stupidest fucking thing. Yeah. It's, it serves no purpose. It's like, right. oh, hey, let's put more 80s nostalgia in here to make sure people are hooked on it. It's so fucking dumb, dude. So right here in the industrial park where they've just watched the video, the game decides to cheat and not wait until 1.30 or 2 a.m. to turn on. And it locks uh, Isaac in like a digital tracking field of like when you yeah. would watch a VHS and the tracking was really bad. And he's kind of stuck in it. And rewind or fast forward is the choose or die, to which she fast forwards and he starts vomiting tape. Mm -hmm. And then she rewinds and then it goes in. And then it asks again. It asks a third time and she fast forwards and it goes out. And this time when it finishes, he, he drops and uh, they, have a, they have a moment and he dies. Yeah. That's now. So there, there. This was another turn for me. I, Isaac's not going to make it to the end, and they're not going to have a this final kiss. Okay, all right. So break. I know, like you said, very formula for the most part in in elements of this movie, but they definitely just broke formula here because right. Isaac should have you know ridden it to the end um with a with a with a heartfelt i loved you the whole time and just couldn't just didn't know kind of yeah but i thing. suppose they didn't really have any way to progress the narrative to the beat the boss thing they said there's gonna be another level and so if they get to this place and they figure out what it is um who who gets impacted then you know there's no right. other characters aside from lance in that things can happen to no one right. else exists so no, that's he was that, the only choice he was really, yeah know? he was like, yeah no no it definitely makes sense that it was done this way just yeah they would have had to have built more another, depth their yeah. characters and more range if they were going to do something else have right. a small group where there's a third wheel and it's more funny and plucky uh, who knows that would have probably been a better way because it wasn't wouldn't have been just a dead three characters probably would have been better than just two in this situation because you could have had a different trope that was interacting with them that kept it more interesting or light when it needed to be light instead of serious and romantic and sappy between the two, because it's not as if they were strong in portraying that kind of a uh, love with one another or longing for the one. So 
Well, I mean, he, def- it, he definitely was showing Yeah, it. he thought that way, but she didn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, she was. She, she was did. fine with, with him doing, yeah. Yeah. So, um... Level five apparently gets, was the final level, and it said to prepare for the final boss battle. So she knows that. And does it give her the address? I can't remember. If it gives it. Tell her it, where... it gives her the coordinates. And this... Oh right, the coordinates. It just yeah. gives uh, longitudinal yeah. Longitude, latitude yeah. coordinates. And she drives right there, and uh, we mm-hmm. co- we come right up to the ending or the the first ending of two, and um, she uh, she comes to the house, and. It's um, it's Hal, Eddie Marsan, and his family, and the the boy has a a cutout mouth taped over his mouth, a cutout eye taped over his eye. the The wife has some weird whatever going on, scarification type thing on her face or cheek. It looks like. Yeah. And um, they're at dinner. They're at and dinner. She just waltzes in. And it's very it's very weird and uncomfortable. And uh, he just invites her to sit down and tries to sort out what's going on. And she she says that this is the it, – it told me this is the final boss, and, that, and that's yeah, why I'm here. He's like, i got to beat the boss. He's like, well, if the final boss is me, and he just like is putting it together, and he's like, well, then you're here to kill me, and I have to kill you first. But uh, the choose or die says – uh, you or him, and we don't really know what that means until the first blow is struck uh, against Kayla, and Hal is affected by it. Right. So she grabs a knife and she starts to like cut herself, and it's showing up on Hal. Hal's got a gun, or someone has a gun. She gets shot, but it puts a bullet hole in him. Mm-hmm. Um, this goes on back and forth. This is actually a pretty fun scene, and uh, I thought this was an interesting way to to do it. Like, obviously, doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it was, <laughs> no. but it was like neat. It was just like a neat way to to do the ending. Like, um, yeah, yeah. They're they're both about to kill each other. He's slicing his throat, and her her throat is getting slit. She's grabbing this heavy uh, lawn ornament and jumps into a pool with that thing on top of her. Um, and then he just starts, herself, yeah, yeah. His water just starts like shooting out of his mouth and nose and, and he dies. Mm-hmm. And when he dies, it goes to his man cave from the beginning of the movie and on the screen it says, you are dead. Um, and then it comes back and she has survived She's been patched. Yeah. Up. She's been patched up. The wife is there, kind of like thanks her for killing her husband and saving her life and getting her and her son out of that that horrific whatever they were stuck in that he uh-huh. put, that that we assume the husband put them in because we don't get a lot of answers uh, about this situation, but eh, we don't really need them. Um, so. <laughs> So now she uh, is seemingly done with the game, and she's now the master of the game, the same way uh, he, I guess he was. Right. Um, so she immediately, there was this cryptic uh, symbol, symbol language that uh, the game used mm-hmm. that she had, that she had deciphered, or because she's because she's a coder too. She's got a keyboard right. with all those symbols on it, and she's figured it out, and she's typing in all those weird symbols, and. Um, she 
starts controlling because uh, she's got all those bandages on her from the fight. She starts controlling Lance, and she has Lance put his face into a sink full of syringes, um, uh-huh. and and then she peels the bandages off, and she's fully healed. Um, and then the cops come, and we, we get to see the aftermath of Lance, which was which was kind of cool. It was, it was like okay prosthetics. <laughs> Like his face was all bloated and like one was yeah. stuck in his eyeball. Um, and then she gets a phone call from the creator. And uh-huh. uh, they have a silly little talk. And probably the w- dumbest part of the movie for me is the one-liner that finishes off the movie. Because um, basically he's like, he's like, yo, you have the power now, blah, 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 blah. And you can kill whoever you want. And she goes... Only people who deserve it. <laughs> so, you know, okay. Uh, yeah, I got a little cheese ball at the end. You created a you created a superhero who can curse people through a computer and is only gonna she's an anti hero though, sure, and she's only gonna use it against villains. Okay. Alright, alright, all right. weird weird twist, but sure. Um, alright. That's the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, if you so, didn't, if you didn't watch it and just watched this episode, <laughs> you don't need yeah. to go watch it. Um, no. Unless, unless you really, really, really want some nostalgia. Yeah, or you're masochistic. <laughs> I, w- I I will not recommend. Um, uh, I will recommend this to people who have not seen it, to people who want uh, to people who want this kind of movie. I mean, it was simple but right but right and but simple used to be done well and this does not do simple well it's just doing it for doing its sake yeah uh, like the, the, that last scene there's a couple things that were like absurdly funny not because they were trying to be funny but just because of how shitty it was done but like at the dinner table they're like arguing and he's talking about I don't know if how he's talking about technology or or times past, but she goes, "Fuck the eighties." Yeah, he's, he's flabbergasted. Like, he's fuck, fuck the eighties. <laughs> what? Yeah, he can't believe it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's so stupid, but it that was kind of entertaining. Uh, and then the kid was a fucking freak show. The kid was, was a freak co- show. It was kind of cool because he had those cutouts and it was sort of like I don't know the way that it looked like uh, like a Max Headroom type weird like I just was thinking of all kinds of old imagery. Uh, and he comes out with a gun and he goes to shoot her and he shoots her or he's shooting at her and, and his dad's like, "No, you shoot me, idiot." <laughs> Yeah, cause he, that, that's where he gets his first her. bullet wound. It's from the right. Uh, so, I mean, look, you know, we kind of go through that end, but like the ending and the way that they resolve this this bullshit story is important. Like, it all kind of it concludes it logically in their own uh, fictitious world of what makes sense with this curse that it works, but it's not. It's not very interesting. It's kind of it just goes through like there. It's kind of neat. You knife your your palm and it cuts his palm. Like it's kind of cool, but it's like 
it seems pretty quickly obvious that you know what you have to do and you go fucking kill yourself in whatever way possible. So I thought there was going to be a race to them doing something insane to kill themselves, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, like, um, like the happening or something. I'm going to go run under the lawnmower. I'm going to go jump off a roof or whatever. Yeah. She finds the one quickest where she wants to, uh, she drowns herself. And I guess he wanted to shoot himself in the head, but he ran out of bullets. So that right. all logically made sense. It just wasn't done in a way that was like super exciting or interesting to watch and kind of have had that happen. But then just like it does dumb things like when she's bandaged up, like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's no authorities. And I guess the mother just took a break. Like, OK, let me, let me bandage you up now. And yeah. she's wearing a fucking she's got a, a sling. Who has gauze fucking <laughs> gauze to make a, a sling? Well, I mean, it's been three months since that incident. Who knows what what they keep or what <laughs> they think. Right. And also. Right. All right. So I will I will say that let's say standing there in the in the yard and um she says you know thank you for letting me you know saving me from this horrible life um you know if she was like yeah fuck you later and just like walked off her property to into the credits that that would have uh-huh. been a much better ending than her right. getting revenge on lance and then having the uh the phone call with the creator like like right. that, like that would have just been a little more satisfying. You didn't have to give us more, um, and it so was... that's what's so shitty about it is like I feel like the whole time in this movie, they just knew like okay, this is phase one of our eight part series. How are we gonna try to set the hook to get more money to make more of these pieces of shit? It's so obvious. It's so self serving, and like it's designed just to do that. Like. This does not have a lot of redeeming qualities, but they dangle the fact that they want to kind of make it a franchise. As far as it's, it's just it's Saw, dude. Like <laughs> they want to be Saw, but Saw was interesting, and they didn't do a lot. But you didn't see a lot behind the curtain, and it was more tension. And the gore was, with the body horror was way better than everything they did. It didn't no, have all these true. bullshit set dressings for '80s to kind of '80s could have been cool, but it's just a cheap knockoff. And I don't think it's honoring the the subject matter. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, right away, I'm going to say that there was not enough gore in this movie. These kills should have been yeah. over the top. They should have fit the genre. Like, if you're going to make a movie that, that sticks to formula that we've all seen a hundred times, where's the like where's the blood like where's the gore i and where's the interesting kills where's the kills we've never seen before like we need something how do you set yourself apart yeah the game does that but it's not enough it can't be the only thing that does that right right and the game was probably my favorite part of the movie in in all of the scenes right is the game Mm -hmm. is interesting and they actually did a pretty decent job with the suspense and the tension of each level but you know everything in between is kind of you know unnecessary exposition you know they could have made the crew bigger three or four kids instead of two um you know so we had more people to kill go you know go to level seven before the boss or something like you know it was it was definitely lacking in that regard yeah and it is it's 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 a weird uh (laughs) 
it's just it's odd some of the choices um i mean i don't look i don't like shitting on people that are a part of making these things because i want more original horror to exist in the world but i feel that you still have to have expectations like when we talked about take back the night and i was so hard on it you can't just rely upon the fact that you are making a film that exists within a certain niche or environment or you're made by certain kinds of demographics or you're talking about other kind of demographics or other kind of points or subject matter just because you're in or around those areas doesn't mean that your film deserves attention and, and accolade. You still have to make a good film. And this it, this just doesn't end up being a good film. Uh, I looked at the... And so I don't want to shit on people, but like I did look at the director. Uh, Toby Meekins has never done a feature-length film. Toby Meekins has done a ton of shorts. And when I say shorts, I mean couple minutes not even 30 uh so i don't know how this came about where what was the origin did netflix say hey we got this thing we need to direct it what and also we never even talked about robert england yeah <laughs> his cameo comes early on yeah he uh he's they, the, there's a he's the, the voice, voice he's the voice of the introduction to the game right when you turn yeah, the game on. Yeah, there's a phone number because there's a little ad. Oh, no, when you I call them, yeah. There's yeah. an ad for the game, win $125,000. So it's like dangling right. the money and they and they see a phone number, so they call it. And uh, Isaac is kind of like, oh my God, this is Robert England. This is so cool. And like that's what hooks him to being interested in giving a shit about this game. But they don't go anywhere with it. And you just hear him a couple times through the movie. It's kind of, you know, yeah. it... It's and again, it's that's similar to the fact that you hear Jigsaw's voice over the radio directing you to do this. Want to play a game? Like, yeah. it's kind of like you know, you're you're riding the coattails or standing on the shoulders of other people that came before you, and you're not you're not adding to the conversation in any meaningful way. So for me, like, it just kept hitting negative note after negative note, yeah. and it never. Yeah, for it, for it's just depleted. Yeah. For for me, this movie should have hit the horror comedy genre and just didn't. It 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 did okay with the suspense and the tension, but it only did it when the game was happening. Uh, too much time in between levels. Uh, I would call this a fun movie with half the fun. Uh, so, you know, you know, it. When I say watch it, I mean I'm going to give it the lowest. Uh, score that I can possibly give a movie that I would tell you to watch, which is a sure. five, which is a five. Um, okay. That being said, if you are into 80s nostalgia, if you want to watch a pretty okay movie, it's it was it was pretty okay. Um, it it okay, was. Here's. <laughs> go ahead. Do you want to hear? No, no, no. Yes. No, no, I'm, I'm just hearing you say that. Uh, here's uh, so I was um, part of the fun of seeing how social media reacts to different things like this, and so one of the benefits of this coming to Netflix and being on on the weekend, you know, there's hashtag. It has its own Twitter uh, feed that you can follow. So I pull it up every now and then, and I like see. I came across this one comment that someone made for the movie, and this is a relatively new account. This the person doesn't really have any followers. It's pretty fresh. 
and it just it it's confusing to me. Uh, so this person says uh, this is at Levi Wrangler too. Uh, just watch hashtag choose or die on hashtag Netflix. Absolutely amazing. My eyes stayed glued to the TV. Only time I picked up my phone was to see who directed this hashtag masterpiece. And I must say, at Toby Meekins, you are a genius. If you are a fan of a hashtag Nightmare on Elm Street, check out this movie. So is this a bot? Is this someone that was paid by Netflix to create an account? Or is this a Netflix employee that needs to fucking hype up the movie? Because this is such, this is a disservice to the community because it, it seems disingenuine. No one talks like this. Right. Yeah, people don't talk like that. That's a lot of like hashtags. Like even hashtagging Nightmare on Elm Street. Get out of here. And here's the other thing that's frustrating. The director, Toby Meekins, he replied to this tweet. With the prayer hands emoji. Okay. So does he believe this? Is he just <laughs> propagating it and like, like, yeah, this is good. I got to support this this well, paid tweet that we know, just put in. There's a whole. It's media just so bizarre, mach- dude. Yeah, there's a there's a media machine behind all of this stuff, you know, like. It's so bizarre, and, and but you... it's so off putting, and it's fucking frustrating that this exists. And that's the thing. Ever since we've been doing this, I I like to see what happens on Twitter or social media because it's. It's eye-opening about how polarizing things are or how opinionated certain people are, how much they go in and support the art that they've seen and shut down any other kind of, you know, critical thought or analysis on analysis on what what it was, you know? Yeah, and... uh, they also they also like the 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 trolls if you will. They don't even like take the time to like understand the original like the source material uh sure for for instance i posted that photo of um of orphan 2 coming in august yeah yeah yeah. right now now for me a movie called orphan 2 is a sequel to orphan not the prequel so right i i assumed that they maybe were starting filming of orphan 2 in august not bringing the prequel to streaming in August. So right. so I'm I'm thinking a completely different thing and the, all the replies to that photo were like fake news the <laughs> orphan firstborn People born, reply to it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, two tons. I deleted it. Like I don't don't feed the trolls. I just deleted it. Are you the, serious? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just deleted it. The the fucking the one guy was like, Par- "This will be released by Paramount Plus. There has been no uh, co- defer- confirmed release date. Please stop spreading fake news." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude. First of all, all I said was yes with a bunch of unnecessary letters and exclamation points. You don't even know what I was excited about. I was excited about a third orphan movie. You fucking retard. Like, <laughs> I did no research. I saw a picture of it's Isabel so Furman. I saw a picture of Is- Isabel Furman covered in blood, and it said Orphan 2. No, it didn't say Orphan First Kill. It said Orphan right. 2. Orphan First Kill is a right. prequel. It's not Orphan fucking 2. So, right, because we talked about that. And yeah. so do you even know, it? Is it actually Orphan 2 and no, not Orphan it, First it's, Kill? No, it's not Orphan 2. The people who posted that, because I went back after those comments came up. Right. And I was like, fine, I'll do the fucking research, you fucking right. idiots. And I went back, 
<laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, they were talking about first kill. Well, what? First of all, what a bunch of retards. They're talking about a prequel and calling it Orphan right. Two. That's not yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah, and no, that, that's not how you normally do it. I even replied to the guy before I deleted the thread. Like the next day, I was like, I was like, yeah, it looks like it was clickbait about about this. And then like a bunch of other like likes. Isabel Furman liked one of the people saying who said, uh, "This is Paramount Plus. They haven't released the date yet." Somebody just said. Somebody just said that. Right. And right. Isabel Isabel Furman liked that. Com that reply yeah. to our comment, <laughs> to our tweet. Fucking crazy. <laughs> which is which is Dude. fine and cool. Like at least you didn't like the fucking assholes quote or. To, uh, but tweet. everything about everything like uh, nearly everything I've encountered with us doing this and interacting with social media, it's embarrassingly dumb. <laughs> and it uh, it's you know you want to have the outlet to share and promote things in a positive way um but people are extremely polarized and extremely sensitive Dude. on both sides of a positive or a negative thing yeah. where people just feel so vehemently opposed or contrarian and they want to fucking shout it at the top of their lungs on this dumb fucking platform if, if and it sucks if we didn't actually need twitter uh to do our jobs right i i would definitely not come anywhere near it <laughs> no it's garbage and, and the more i see the more i just hate <sighs> because it's like it's like how i feel about this film uh you landed on a five right yeah yeah what where'd you, you land yep i landed on a two i didn't enjoy any of the things that it did and it was so that's where it landed for me um i don't like shitting on it and i don't want to like be a curmudgeon about it and say that like it's just garbage bullshit don't watch it like go ahead and watch it like for me this did not work in any way shape or form there was a very few fleeting moments where i thought something was neat or interesting or maybe some of the ideas were neat and interesting but they did it was not at all to me neat or interesting uh and i think it's a piece of shit but if you want to watch it, fine. I don't. It's my opinion. You don't have to fucking care. Uh, people seem so strongly about the fact that they don't want people to have that sentiment or to share that sentiment to the world. Like, don't put out that negative energy and everything. Like, okay, that's fine. I can put out whatever energy I want to fucking put out. And I am going to identify when things are not good. And when things are good, you're going to hear me talk about it in a very different fucking way. We've talked about X. We've talked about Come True, The Night House, Malignant. Those are goddamn gems. And if you don't contrast in a significant way why that is so much better of a piece of art than something like this to me or something else, then there's nothing that separates them. Then they're all in the same fucking shelf of watch any of these. If you imagine all of the those movies and this on the shelf to, to pick out to go home with a movie and you need guidance or you want assistance like the awful shitty responses are like two things like it has to be out there it has to exist and so like like i want to shit on things but i know it, it just it won't get a response venting here is is all that i can do i'm content to do that people take it or leave it uh it's what it is uh it's just it's a fucking weird thing yeah
Um, all right. With that, we move on to All My Friends Hate Me. Pete is cautiously excited about reuniting with his college crew for a birthday weekend, but one by one, his friends slowly turn against him. Is he being punished? Is he paranoid? Or is he part of some sick joke? Uh, directed by Andrew <laughs> Gaynard, written by Tom Palmer and Tom Storton. Tom Storton, who is the main character, uh, Pete, who plays the main character, Pete. All right. You wanna okay. you wanna kick this one off? Yeah. Uh, so as far as uh, if this is touted as a horror comedy, um, uh, I'm just thinking about this synopsis. I think it's fine. Uh, I don't think it it leads you one way or the other. But being comedy horror, I'm gonna look at it a certain way, and I'm gonna want to have both of those elements represented. I'm gonna want a strong horror theme or horror. Uh, events to occur and I'm going to want to laugh throughout the whole thing, whether it's in tone where it's being, it's farcical or making fun of itself or ridiculous or absurd a la Black Sheep uh, or just has funny characters doing funny shit uh, dialogue and things like that like, you know, Shaun of the Dead or something like that or so that's what I went into this for. And I would say that this overall, this movie doesn't live up to its expectations with it being termed a comedy horror. Yes, I would totally agree. I would say that this movie was uh, short on comedy and short on horror. (laughs) (laughs) I would say I enjoyed the comedy very much. I thought that this was comedic throughout and it's a certain kind of comedy. Uh, it's very dry, uh, but it is a certain kind of comedy. And yeah, the horror elements, it's not so much horror as it is like a thriller type dramatic things, um, mystery esque type vibes. And it doesn't get into traditional horror tropes the way that I would probably have wanted to. So, uh, this, it starts off, uh, I mean, I guess the way the film starts off is that it's going to be Pete's uh, birthday weekend and his friends are throwing a big gathering at one of their houses or states. Uh, there's a big group of them. So Pete is the lead. His friends are Fig, Claire, George, uh, and Archie. His girlfriend is Sonia. And there's going to be a uh, oh, Claire an uninvited... Was also yeah, I said Claire, right? Oh, you did say Claire? I, I missed it. Yeah, either way. Either way. Uh, Harry is the one that I left out. Harry is the unknown uh, person that we're going to be introduced to. So, more or less, he's going to this retreat weekend to see all of his friends. He's uh, turning 31, and these are all friends from uh, uni, as they say. Uh, sidebar, we didn't mention it, but apparently um, Choose or Die was meant to be in America. New York, oh, okay. upstate New York. Upstate right? New York, yeah. It was shot in England, and all the overhead shots, like in the feel and the look of it, was very England. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice. Like, I saw it, I was like, is this the fucking Cabrini Green? These look like projects that they're fucking, like, doing the overhead aerial shots. So, weird, it looked like, you know, right. housing projects. So, 
at any rate. Well, it was meant to. <laughs> um, it was meant to be. She, you know, the mom kept saying it used to be right. Nice yeah, I know. It's yeah. just it, 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 people that are familiar with the environment were talking about how like it's very obvious that this is fucking London, England, and oh, this okay. where the shot and making fun of it. That's not New York. It couldn't be any more England with the environment. Right, right. Described it. <laughs> so, whatever. That's just funny. Movie magic. Uh, so Pete is on his way to this retreat, and uh, that's where everything's going to take place. He's going to go out, and he's going to try to have a good birthday weekend with all of his friends and try to figure himself out or see where he fits in. or It's like all the things. That's the one thing I will say, that this film is grounded in reality in the way that you could envision yourself being this age, having uh, good friends from college that you're going to see after some several years, maybe some eight or ten years, which is sort of close to the time frame because he's turning 31. Most of these friends would have been uh, in college. You would have been 21, 22 by the time you left college, standardly. Uh, that's how the it would work. So that anxiety that you would have, getting in that group setting again, how you fit in with the group, how you remember people and the clickiness or the, the persona that you used to have, how you perceived yourself, that now you're going to be around the your mates and how you're going to be with them. There's all those like thoughts and ruminations that, that can occur that I like that feeling of it. Uh, and maybe it's because I've had such disjointed relationships in my life and that relationships more or less just get put aside and I move on to the next chapter of my life and I never go back. Uh, there's a handful, and I mean a, a handful of people that I still interact with from all of the different stages of my life. And so I can't envision really doing something like this. Right, right. Yeah, it, it was... Um, the 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 setup was, was kind of outside of reality for me. Um, it was also kind of outside of reality for Pete. Pete didn't quite get it. Um, the main character says right. so, something early on about like, why? When does a friend invite you to his house to throw you a birthday party? Like, why are like he all he like right off the bat? Um, you know, Pete's a very paranoid character, which we come to learn. But right off the bat, he is questioning the very event that he is driving to. Yeah. Um, in that it does not make sense. <laughs> Um, and so and... I like that they start that off right away. Um, oh, yeah. Where the, the situation seems questionable and not being certain what to believe or how to believe the events that are unfolding is sort of the theme throughout this whole thing. Uh, and so you're like, you kind of have to detach certain things and just enjoy the ride and enjoy the comedy for what it is at face value without overthinking how things happen or why things happen. So more or less. So, you know, I, I hate, I don't remember every single plot point, but more or less, you know, he gets, he leaves uh, his girlfriend, Sonia. She's going to meet up later on the weekend. She can't, she's or some other bullshit. So he leaves and he arrives at the, at the estate and it's well, a very large estate. It's sort of like Downton Abbey. You want to talk about the the, the car? Yeah, the we, we do have to point out the car. Uh, sorry. Okay, so, so en route, yeah, <laughs> the two things that happen. As he gets nearer to the estate, he's kind of losing his way. Not really sure. Uh, he sees a – he's stopped and looking around where to go, and he sees uh, – here's a dog barking, 
He looks down the, the field. He sees a dog tied to a post. So he goes down to investigate, and the dog's barking, barking, and he looks around the corner. He sees a car there, kind of like a little smart car type sized yeah. Fiat. Co covered in mud. Yeah, covered in mud. Yeah, mud and shit. And he goes up to the window and he peers in, uh, and uh, a lunatic runs out and yeah. chases them off. Yeah, he gets beat. And he he's like running, 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 running. He gets yeah. back to the car. So this is where it's like, okay. It's going to be like a weird driftery type situation with this thing where there's a, a person that's going to be in the area and something's going to happen. Because he right. it's played for horror where he's now running and you see the chasing, 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 getting close yeah. to the car. He's got to start it and get the fuck out of there. Uh, this, among other things, you'll see is sort of like this whole film is filled with misdirects or <laughs> yeah, yeah, giving I will information. I will say that. Then... Yeah, I will say this movie. Um like you already said, plays itself in reality, like deep-rooted reality, which you don't expect and is unfortunate that I didn't expect it that to be that way. I wish I could have you know, been a little more blind about the movie uh, before I, I went into it, because I went in going horror comedy, and it's a very different movie. Um, but they do an excellent job with the suspense. So there is plenty of suspense in this movie at from from you know beat to beat. Uh but there's never a payoff. So <laughs> it's, it's well you could argue that the payoff that they have just uh doubles down on what they're doing with it reality. It doubles down on reality, exactly. <laughs> the payoff doubles down on reality. <laughs> and that'll all make sense in about 40 minutes. So, uh, so right. Away, so he gets to the estate. The other thing is he yeah. stops and he sees, okay, the other one, well, okay, we could do that one too. We, we he stops and asks for directions. He sees a, a farmer down the walk. He parks at an intersection, a, a fork in the road, and he beckons him to come further to close, come closer, not further. And he uh, asks for directions. And this is, this is, this is good comedy here. This, this one, this one was pretty off. good. This was a good direction. Where, yeah. and what's great is he's gonna tell this story later on. <laughs> yeah, because uh, they want to. Because he's yeah. All right. He asks the guy where the directions are. Uh, I'm not gonna play every beat. Yeah. Uh, or reenact it, but he asks them, and the guys, the farmers, like, yeah, I know where that is. And so just he waits. <laughs> just can, waits. <laughs> can you tell me how to get there? Yeah, I can. Yes, I can. <laughs> And just waits and waits. <laughs> yeah. uh, Eventually, yeah, he tells him, that he, you know, it was good. It was entertaining. He finally gets the directions to get there. And so he arrives. And this, I thought, was, uh, this to me was more funny. He arrives playing, like, the pinnacle 2000s or late 90s uh, techno yeah. song, uh, Sandstorm, I think it's called, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. He, he's We've all heard the song. <laughs> yeah and he's uh because this is what was going this is what was popular in uni and he apparently he told his friend he was known as uh captain sparky the skippy 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 he was, skippy he was the skipper skippy he was the captain of the party yeah so that's his that's what he remembers and so he arrives and he's like i'm captain of the party and so he's like time to turn it up he's got his music going trunk he's got a bottle of fucking champagne or whatever yeah there's a couple cars there he walks in and 
crickets. No one is fucking around. Yeah. No one's there. And you just hear sandstorm blaring like party <laughs> music in this old estate, uh, big rooms, uh, old English type cottage uh, estate, and no one's fucking there. And he just walks out shamefully back to the car and has to turn off the music and just go back inside and and wait. Yep. And he waits all fucking day. And into the night. And then they and they finally show up and he's like covered in blankets on the couch because it apparently is cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh and it's this again was was another great scene where the George is there and he sees Pete and Pete takes off the blankets and he's like, What what are you doing here? And Pete's like the it's party. You invite. This is the party's going on for my birthday. And he's like, no, we're, we're yeah, we're having a party, but you weren't oh. invited. Oh, the invite. We, that the was invite. To, that who, was supposed to be a joke. You an invite? <laughs> yeah, that was a joke. We didn't think you'd come. Why would I invite you to have a birthday party at my house? Yeah. <laughs> and he's just. Pete's getting really uncomfortable and awkward. Like, and again, this this discomfort that you get in these awkward social situations is throughout the whole movie uh and then uh you know george finally breaks and says yeah i'm just fucking with you right and that happens a ton in this movie yeah that is that is the theme of the movie um, right i'm just fucking with you right <laughs> so um they all come in and and he kind of gets back uh and sees all his friends and he kind of like he's already set off in a really bad way where he's questioning what's going on he feels uncomfortable yeah and they like uh, they, they like they, they give him the best room and they, they introduce him to harry who they met down at the pub right they bring harry and he's and and pete is supposed to be the life of the party and the funny harry guy. now arrives he's the funny guy he comes in now he's got a goose and he's pantomiming with the goose and he's putting the goose mouth uh, beak in his mouth and like everyone's cracking up like oh fucking Harry's the best and now Pete's like how the fuck do I fit in I'm in love with this dude and he's showing me up and now everything I do is going to seem forced because I feel like I have to force it to be funny to live up to who I thought I once was uh, or, and the movie's just going to go out yeah. of control with that their expectations of me as the funny guy yeah uh, everything about this whole premise and the way that they handle it, to me, I thought was very good uh, and entertaining. And I was interested to see what situations would come up as the story went along and how he would handle it and or how the characters would interact with him and each other because it was it's well-written. And to me, the comedy is uh, it's dry, it's British, and it's kind of uh, biting and witty. And to me, it's just... It, it's entertaining more so than not. Like, so I know you say you don't like comedy, but I feel like the element is entertaining in its own right. I mean, I, I, look, the, the movie is entertaining. Um, laugh out loud, funny, not so much. I definitely smiled a lot. Like as I'm like enjo yeah. enjoying the scenes, um, mainly because of the dialogue. Cause there's really nothing else happening. Right. Like, short on horror because there isn't any um there the suspense is like coupled with this tension kind of makes you feel uneasy especially if you're coming from the point of view of pete um mm -hmm. which actually was was like how i uh absorbed the movie um right. which i which i hope was the the point 
was to was to be made to feel what Pete was feeling, mm-hmm. um, because I think they they if that like that being the the case like they definitely did what they set out to do. Um, yeah, you know, as a horror comedy, I I think I give this movie one score, but as like a as what I would call like a drama, uh, right? I would, I would give it a different score. Uh, yeah, I know, and I, but that, like, and that's the that's the the one thing that I will say whenever I got to the end, and I was like, well, I'm just rating it for what I what I just saw. I'm not right. going to rate it under the lens of like, okay, it, need, it needs to tick box horror and comedy, and I'm rating it within that framework. Right. It's like, how do I feel about it? What do I like about it? And and I score it where I score it uh, because I thought that what it was doing, it did very well. But it's an interesting dilemma that you can kind of come across because the way that you are entering it and how you perceive it uh could be very different it probably would be beneficial if you didn't know this was a horror comedy and you just went to watch it no absolutely absolutely in fact this is a good watchable movie that i would recommend to people but i would never ever say that it was a horror comedy and and i think because i wouldn't say that to them that they would enjoy it uh, yeah. Whereas if somebody recommended this to me and told me this is a great horror comedy, I'd be like, that movie was fucking terrible. And because I came at it from a different angle. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about that again when we get to the end and when we score this thing. Um, where are we? Uh, are we getting to uh, Paul's or Pete's uh, first uh, funny story? Yeah, because like, they all meet and then they gather and study or wherever the fuck yeah and, and somebody's like pete you're the funny guy tell us a funny story and he's like oh well something funny happened to me today and he tells a story about meeting uh norman uh <laughs> the guy who gave him directions and he does this like north country yarp kind of accent yeah, yeah like i was picturing hot fuzz <laughs> yeah with the tall fucking guy yeah <laughs> and then and the camera pans around the room and eventually it gets to pete where you see over his shoulder and there's Norman. Apparently, he's like the family's groundskeeper. And yeah. and if you pay attention, so this was what the other smart thing about this movie, he told Pete that he would see him later. Like when he gave yeah. Pete directions, he goes, he goes, I'll probably see you later. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, why the fuck would this guy see him later? Oh, he's the groundskeeper for George's estate. Oh, I get it. <laughs> like, so. Right, but like. He was put on the spot, and it's like this whole thing where now you have to perform, and it's right. this performance pressure and anxiety. You you want to impress your friends. You need to tell a funny story, and you can't fucking think of anything except this random weird thing that happened. So you're just gonna run with it, and you're not gonna think about who that is or why or anything. Right. You're just get a story out there. I can't hesitate. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so now he has this weirdness with Norman through the whole uh, film. But this right, is and a, he looks th- like a dick. And he looks like a dick. And but that's and that's the theme of the movie: the uncomfortableness that you feel as the viewer is this guy Pete, who's constantly like second guessing everything. Uh, mm-hmm. He's questioning everything that's happening around him. He's constantly putting his foot in his mouth because he's trying to be cool and impress people. Um, and 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 he's coming from this angle, this lens of like he wants to do the right thing and he wants to like be their friend and because right. these are his friends he believes these are his friends um but he's he never sees it that way like he even he tries even harder the longer the movie goes on because he yeah, feels compensating yeah because yeah because he feels like he's losing them um, right 
And so so he has to keep upping and escalating things. Yeah. Uh, so right away, already in this by this evening, each the one of the other things that I think is a strong suit. This is an ensemble movie for the most part, uh, because each of these characters, for the most part, are all going to be around each other throughout the course of the whole film. There's moments where they have peel-offs where two are interacting or three are interacting, but for the most part, it's all of them on screen at, at the same time in these situations. And so uh, there's George and Fig. George is, this is his house. He's sort of a wealthy son of whomever. Yeah, uh, he's married to Fig. And married, to, uh, married to Fig, uh, who's posh. You know, they, they throw that word around through the movie. They're very posh. Well, they're all they're uh, all posh, right? Like that's the, yes, that's kind of right. one of the jokes, he, right? Where he kind of felt like a little bit of an outsider because of it, and uh, Claire, who he had uh, was in a relationship with way back then, and then who, that... right at this theme, we also find out, uh, like right after this this evening thing or during the evening thing, like she apparently uh, attempted suicide right before he left. Uh, because right. of the breakup, because of the breakup, and she's still very much has feelings for him. Uh, well, which you know, which we also don't know that they had been sleeping together until he started dating Sonia. So, besides dating in college and then her almost killing herself over the breakup, they were sleeping with each other casually before yes. he started dating Sonia until right before Sonia. Yeah, so so which, that's Claire. So and there's, the there's other some friend stuff is, there. The other friends, Archie, who's the sort of the macho-y, preppy type uh, playboy guy. Right, he's uh, definitely single. also the drug addict of the group. <laughs> the drug addict, yeah, he's cokehead. And yeah. he's he's great in that role because he's always like, uh, he has a devil-may-care attitude, there's no consequences, he's kind of flippant with most uh, situations and things, but always just shit-faced. He's like the Don Draper, like, not Don Draper in like the cool collected part, but like, just off the handle, like, uh, loving the party and, like, uh, can snap into it and be where he needs to be uh, and go along with things. And then Harry, the guy that they met at the pub that's a local um, who's just long for the ride that is now um, a fifth wheel, so to speak, in this weekend that yep. Pete is thought he'd be with his friends. And now he has this obstacle to... And they make him sleep on uh, on the pullout in Pete's room. <laughs> right. Um, so it's like extra uncomfortable for Pete. Yeah. Um, so I'm just looking through all these different notes because I just did a couple notes of throughout the different things that occurred in the in the film. So it doesn't not super important. I want to say that the next thing that really some things happen, but uh, they get to. The next big thing that happens is the the shoot, right? The next day. Oh, we're going to go on that far. There's a lot in between that and the shoot. Okay, let's go. Well, let's go take, well take me I I think the only beat that's important is um is that he tells George that he's going to propose to Sonia, and Sonia yeah, and George and says, "Don't tell Claire." And that's when he that's when he reveals finds out Pete. she's still wrapped up in you. Right. And Harry overhears this. Harry overhears this, right? Um, so then later she's going to congratulate him and now he's all paranoid who told Claire. Right. Um, because he's afraid she's going to kill herself over him again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) or try to, uh, which is another theme, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. The, the one scene that I thought was really funny, uh, also with Archie, like 
clues you into his absurdity is whenever he he wakes him up in the next morning or it's the next morning and Archie's in the room when they're getting ready for the shoot uh, that they're going to do and he he has the gun he sneaks up on him this is another thing where it like looks like a horror thing yeah Pete's looking out the window at the car in the driveway and it's the muddy dirty car right. that the vagrant was in which again this isn't really explained in a lot of ways yeah, uh i don't there. even really remember how it does at the end oh well, well i mean it, it doesn't get explained it's it just happens to be harry's car right yeah. it's just bizarre yeah <laughs> so uh because we'll see we'll see Ar- it again here in a minute right right well, you, well the, yeah the, the one thing is yeah he's looking out the window and he sees it and he's questioning it. uh it's the morning and archie sneaks up on him with the shotgun and he's like pretends to like shoot him with it and yeah. he's like get the fuck out what are you doing He's like, oh, I got you good. He's like, well, he puts it under his chin. Yeah. He's like, it's not loaded. It's fine. And they start arguing, bickering, talking about what's going to be going on with the hunt. And they go to leave the room. And, and he, Archie he pops it open. again. He's like, oh, shit. It was loaded. It was loaded. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like, really good. It's like, I'll be fine. So, it, it'll be fine. I could I could shoot a gun before I could read. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you can't read now. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> so like last year then. <laughs> yeah that was a good right. joke um so so, yeah, so is there a lot else that happens before this hunt what other things are happening before the hunt before the hunt okay we're definitely having uh altercations altercations moments between uh pete and harry where harry yeah. is rubbing pete the wrong way and every time pete says something fucking stupid which which is pretty often where everybody kind of does an eye roll he goes into his notebook and he scribbles it something down <laughs> yeah, and you're starting you're, so you're starting to go like what the f- what is this guy doing yeah it's weird yeah uh yeah because i think even it's that first morning where they're all having breakfast or making breakfast and they all make a plate and they harry has a plate and everyone and fig's got a plate george's got a plate um but and Pete doesn't get he a doesn't plate. Get a he, plate. Has make, he has to go make his own plate. Yeah. And he doesn't get eggs. Everybody's got eggs except for him because the eggs were made like for the three people that the breakfast was cooked yeah. for. And he's Because yeah. he came down late, right? Right. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's Pete. Pete is... We'll talk about it later. All right. Well, so that's the thing that this film is going to do. It's... It layers and layers and layers all of these different scenes that put him at a disadvantage. It seems like everyone is really shitty, but he's also maybe like he's just interacting with it wrong. But you're trusting his narration throughout the film and the way that he's perceiving the events seem accurate. Like, yeah, that was fucked up that they didn't make him food. Uh, and the guy, Harry, writing the notes, or Harry coming to bed and snoring real fucking loud and pissing yeah. with the door light on and, yeah. and all these things. Like, it's just act, it's just all compiling this giant list of all this, like, frustrations of interactions with all of his friends that you're right there with them, you know, where at some point, someone's gonna, something's going to have to give, someone's going to snap. Right, right. I love how it builds in this yeah. in this movie. So we go to the the shoot where he doesn't want to go, but he's like, "Come on, Norman took went to great because he's lengths. never shot before." Yeah. yeah, Norman's gone to great lengths to organize this for you. Let's let's go. So they all go, and um, he doesn't kill a single thing. <laughs> he doesn't hit anything. No, yeah. everyone. And it's a hilarious montage because like people yeah. are just 
shooting these birds out of the sky and like it for all it looks like they're really hunting these birds yeah. pheasant or whatever other game birds that they have and they're all popping them figs popping them yeah uh, Figs doing it with she's, she's smoking a cigarette without using her hands the entire time kill like yeah. killing these birds like it's just had, so like easy. a royal tenenbaum vibe uh yeah. with like margo you know so and this is i didn't get this but Everyone is really pissed at him because he didn't kill. shoot a fucking thing. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's kind of fucked up. Like, you know, Norman puts a lot of work into this to do it. And, yeah. you know, but whenever you don't kill something, really, it's a slap in the face. It's like, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> and he even says he took put spent a lot of money. Like, he said, took yeah. a lot of time and money to put this hunt together right, for, yeah. for so you. Right, yeah. So now he's got to feel bad about that on top of the fact that he didn't do it because he didn't perform he looks like a dickhead and he's not good at it like it's embarrassing and now they're making yeah. him feel even worse about it and he's like oh, i think i got close I, I i think i got close to he's like yeah you wounded it <laughs> make him feel worse like now he's yeah. gonna struggle and fucking <laughs> yeah. die yeah, miserably yeah. <laughs> uh and all the while either it's either on the way there or on the way back archie is shooting uh rabbits out the window and yeah and they all have like their ear protection on yeah. This is a great scene. So they get back, and I think they uh, they get ready for the for the next party, right? Yeah, uh, they're all gonna pregame or whatever, and but they're gonna go down to the pub, yeah, to meet, right? Right. So the idea here is that um, Pete goes out to get into the car, and they're like fucking with him, like keep driving ahead, driving right. ahead, driving ahead. Yeah. And then they just take off. Gag. And then they just take off and leave him there. And they, <laughs> yeah. so he tries to go back into the house, but Harry comes out and he's like, don't close the door. And the door closes. And he's like, yeah. ah, we'll walk down. I know a shortcut. Right. Um, yeah. Harry's still normal. Because all the things that Pete has been questioning and frustrated with him, Harry's just playing it even like, it's fine, dude. Yeah. Like, no big deal. Like, whatever. He's like, cool. He's not, has, he doesn't have any animosity toward Pete throughout right. the film. But he does, uh, so Pete does know that, or does, recognize harry now so now he even tells people that he recognizes him from somewhere yeah he yeah um, so we're getting down they're they're going for the walk and they get into a huge argument well more like pete just like accuses harry of being this piece of shit that he's that yeah he's i think he's like why did you tell claire that yeah. i was getting engaged because he finds they find out that claire knows and he's pissed because harry's the only other one that could have told because george didn't right because george and so that's what right. he believes and right. so he's pissed off at Harry. The fuck are you doing? You're ruining it. You're ruining my, my weekend. You need to fuck off. You right. need to get the fuck it's, out of it's here. It's my birthday. Fuck off. Yeah. And, and uh, he's like, I'll find my own way. He starts walking. Uh, you know, flashes a few hills later. He's like halfway down a hill. And you look back and it's it's Harry. <laughs> and he, he pulls an axe out and starts chasing him down the hill in slow-mo. Yeah, and, uh, and he's just running, 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 running for the door, and uh, he gets into the pub, and then Harry does like a fake out chop, and uh, and everybody screams surprise, and Harry's like, they they made me do it, they put me up to it. Yeah, sorry man, <laughs> so, sorry man. <laughs> I'm not so, another another. Like, yeah, you get there early so we could set up for you. Yeah, sorry, sorry yeah. Surprise. Yeah, sorry about the shit, you know. Also, like another. Uh, misdirect in a series of yeah. misdirects where, where once again, like it doesn't pay off. Like it just doesn't. It, it doesn't in well. The, it doesn't in the way you expect it to. Right, because you because you're like, okay, great. 
The it's, horror's gonna come. The horror's gonna he come. Is, he is a fucking maniac, and he's gonna start to antagonize, and now there's gonna be tension. Like something's gonna happen there, and it's like, nope, it's just, it's just a joke. That's just a joke. Yep. Uh, so they they party down. They rented out the whole bar, so there's no other extras, which is a nice way to make a movie with no budget. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I was like, I was like, oh, sweet, nice, nice play, guys. Um, <laughs> um, what happens here at the bar? I mean, a few different things, but one of the things that like uh, does he's uh, I think talking to Fig, and she's telling him about some things. This happened already. Oh, this happens twice in the thing. bar. This happens twice yeah. in the bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he starts to bring up uh, Pete's backstory of what he's been doing the past several years is he's really become a humanitarian. He's right. worked with refugees in, I assume, Africa. He might have mentioned Africa. I can't remember. Uganda, I think he might have said at one point. It doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, a, a, a needed area uh, for humanitarian aid. And he keeps talking about it like, unnecessarily too much like yeah. trying to say like how important and philanthropic or useful he is in this kind of way that's meaningful and his friends don't give a fuck yeah they always say something snide or short or grating about it or just like completely yeah. change topics when in, he starts to get into it in this bar sequence he he gets cut off twice telling the same story he says um he says when I was working with that refugee kid, and the I noticed the first time he learned, and that's about as far as you get into the story. But you know it's the same story because he says this, like he says learned again. The first time he learned, and then it gets cut off a second time yeah. when he's talking to somebody else. Um, I thought both of those were were pretty funny. Uh, they were good. right. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was the night before where he's thinking and annoyed with Harry and Archie is like, Pete, are you listening to me? And he's like, Yeah. What? Yeah, and or she's like, I'm talking about this business proposal. Like, what do you think? Is it a good idea? And he's like, yeah, explain it to me again. He wasn't listening, and Archie was, like, right. trying to talk to him. Uh, what was the idea? It was uh, to get wealthy people that want to do, do crazy weird, shit. Weird, weird, crazy weird uh, shit. Yeah. And we, we connect them to one another to go do their crazy weird shit together for people that are too normy to want to do the crazy right. weird shit. Right, right. Because rich people are going to have normal friends and the normal friends aren't going to be able to go or to afford the crazy right. weird shit that rich people want to do. So it's like a social meeting up site or app where crazy yeah, rich people, people can do. Yeah, for people with the means yeah. to do crazy weird things. And, yeah. and he's like, I, I don't... And he... And he <laughs> In the context of like what he does, he doesn't see like you know. I think he that's when he brings up his refugee stuff even, uh, yeah. as like that I'm interested in this or this is what I want to bring to the world or something. Yeah. So it doesn't go well. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, he forces Archie forces hair, uh, Pete to go do a bump in the bathroom, and, and he's like, right. I'm not gonna do this. What am I gonna do? I can't. I'm not and so, but he's like, No, fuck it. I need something to snap me out of this. Yeah. Uh, and to become skippy again, so he does it. So he does it. He does it. immediately cut to him telling that story to somebody <laughs> yeah. in the hallway. <laughs> right, just <laughs> where he gets interrupted. Yeah, too yeah. Much. yeah, Can't stop talking. Yeah, uh, you only talk about what you would do. And so, um, the, at the conclusion of that bar scene, uh, Archie is looks at his baggie and it's all fucking gone. He's like, "What the fuck, Pete?" You you used you used it all. You spent it all. You did whatever with it. He's like, yeah. "This is mad for the party." And Harry's like, "No, nah, man, no, nah, man. It was I spilled it back. Uh, yeah. It wasn't him." And then Harry goes to P. He's like, "You owe me." 
Yeah. Because well, he's when, like, when, yeah, when, it's covering for you. Yeah, and we definitely know that Pete didn't use it all, right? We no, watched yeah, him take he didn't. One it's bump. just Archie. Plus, like, just... he, he barely even drinks this whole weekend. Like, he he has, like, one or two drinks while they're partying, right. and then he goes to bed early, like, every night, too. So, like, he is uh-huh. definitely not living up to the expectation, um, maybe the expectation he has for himself. For himself, yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, that's the the coke at the bar. I think they do they do the bar before the shoot. I think yeah. technically because it's Maybe. like the but same thing. Uh oh, and before they go to the shoot and before the bar, it's the morning after the first night, and they say yeah yeah Claire's gone. Claire left. She didn't feel comfortable or whatever, and so she just left. Right, 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 right. And they and he's like, he, "Wait, what the fuck?" He assumes that it's because of the engagement. Yeah, because the engagement news that she fucking yeah. left, and now he's like stressing so the, about it, and that's so, part of what drove right. him to confront Harry. But when they get back uh, from the shoot, she's, she's there. She's back now. And she, and she's and he's, he's, he's like, "Where were you?" She's like, "I went and had lunch with my mother-in-law or some or mother." Or some, right. Some it's I like this idea that he's like hearing one thing, and like it's truthful. Claire left, but like they just didn't give him the context to understand, like she's going to be right back or whatever. Like yeah. they left out from the information and his mind filled the void the there void, with yeah. bad thoughts. Cause he's already ruminating in a negative way of right. what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, there's, there's so much paranoia and anxiety from this main character. It's, it's constant. Right. And like, yeah. so he, and he, and it just keeps escalating. It gets worse and worse and worse. Um, but Sonia is on her way. Um, yeah, like, she, she just she shows up. It's like, they're like, hey, uh, Pete, there's a there's a girl here that there's... says she's your girlfriend, but that can't be true because she's kind of hot or <laughs> something like that. She, she's, she's way too, she's way too fit. Yeah, she's way too fit. She's way too uh, fit. Yeah. Um, so then it goes right to the parlor, I think, and they're all having drinks and laughing and getting to meet. Uh, Sonia and they all kind of and they all love Sonia yeah one at a time they all kind of pull him aside to tell him how much they love Sonia um but then of and course this is like in that evening yeah. uh right but then yeah. yeah but then of course he's he's in the room and he looks outside and she's talking to Harry and and they hug <laughs> and he's like what the fuck you know <laughs> yeah. cuz goes... i think he was upstairs uh Either he goes upstairs or he was already upstairs going through Harry's shit. Going through Harry's stuff, right. Um, earlier, or it, maybe this is where he checks the phone and he takes a picture of, like, there's a little girl on his lock screen. On Harry's phone, yeah. Yeah, the lock he takes screen. a picture of the little girl. But this is where he grabs the notebook. Um, yeah, he grabs And he the flips through the notebook the... that's been scribbled in and it's like, it's like, he really likes talking about refugees. Next page. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, doesn't know who this famous artist is from earlier in the night when Sonia yeah, was first Yeah, pretended to know who Chris Ophelia was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I knew Chris Ophelia because it, from my history with uh, right. art, uh, I knew who they were talking about. And so that was kind of a fun little nod because he's yeah. sort of, he's modern, but it's like you kind of have to be into art to, to know him. He's famous, but still. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he sees all that, and he's like, "Fuck." <laughs> yeah. So he goes and uh, he goes to find Sonia now, and well, well, first he runs into Harry, and Harry's grabbing beers for him and Sonia, and he just like yells at him, a little freak out. Then he goes outside yeah. to Sonia. He's like, "Come, come with me. Come around here." He's like, "All my friends are fucking with me. Everyone's being so mean." 
And like, and so this is, uh, this is, too, this is it. So this is the second time he's had a little freak out because he had a freak out with George because I believe George is like the most level-headed of the friends or at least the yeah. closest, seemingly the closest to, um, to Pete. Um, where he right. said he says like, is everyone being mean to me for some reason? And and so they had that that like half conversation. But now with Sonia, she's like, all my friends are being mean. I'm having a terrible time. My birthday's ruined. Fuck this hairy guy. He's he's weird. Um, and Sonia's like, you're just overreacting. Let's let's put you down for a nap, right? Yeah. Um, so she does, and then there's then this is like the other another late night party that he wakes up for, and he comes down. Yeah, and... he wakes up. He is this the yeah. big party? Is this the end? This is the last big party. This is the last yeah. big party. Okay, so now everyone is dressed as their favorite Pete, and they all have yeah, yeah, yeah. different weird outfits on. Um, the Claire is wearing this like yellow shirt that says "Rave yeah. Every Day" or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Eat, sleep, rave. Eat, sleep, rave. Repeat. Yeah. Repeat, yeah. Repeat. <laughs> and she's wearing, she's got like Mardi Gras beads on. Yeah, it's like a glow yellow. <laughs> yeah, <really> yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then this is, so this is the surprise. And they're all sitting in like a half circle and he's at the main chair. And, and right away, my first thought is, oh, okay, it's a roast. And, uh, and, and it was a roast. I, I, yeah. I was right. Uh, except Pete, the one thing we learned about Pete is that he can't take a fucking joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so Harry comes out, uh, and he's got a bag over his head, which is weird. Sort of like a weird shower cap type thing, yeah. but it's like a plastic bag over his hairline, holding yeah. all his hair in. Yeah. And he introduces not Pete. <laughs> and, and so some some other character who we don't know comes out and he kind of kind of looks like Pete and he's tall and lanky and he starts delivering these one-liners as Pete and every all the friends ask questions and not Pete answers them in a very Pete way and everybody has a good laugh at Pete's expense except for Pete who thinks this is really fucked up. <laughs> yeah, he's just getting really upset. Everything is because it's like there it's a roast and like you're he's not taking the. He's not uh, taking the jokes. <laughs> and if you, you could hear them, like, yeah, it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> They're hilarious. Uh, yeah, this is definitely the funniest <laughs> scene in the movie. The the, the not yeah. Pete character um, definitely knocks it out of the park. <laughs> um, and so... So Pete, so Pete has a freak out. And this is where he actually has a meltdown. And yeah. he, he starts pointing out you know, his friends being shitty to him and he points out Harry and he, I know who you are, Harry. Well, because the friends say maybe the, the, that's not even the surprise. The roast wasn't the surprise. The surprise is who's Harry. And that's yeah. when the, the music stops and Pete's like, yeah. I, know, I know who Harry is. <laughs> and he tells his He's story. Like he figured it out. Yeah. Uh, he tells this story about when he was 15, him and his best friend at the time were making prank calls to a girl down the street who was afraid of dogs because they were they were barking at him. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Uh, not Harry Pete, and not no, Harry Pete. and Noppy were barking at him as as it gets to this. Yeah, and, yeah it's uh, all hiding, hiding, and everyone's like kind of laughing. He's they keep barking, barking, barking. Yeah. And he, he they break. He flips out and calms things down. And he's like, now he tells us the story tells why the story. He, how he remembers them. Yeah. Because she was kind of slow, so they were they were picking on her because she'd freak out. 
and uh, then she she killed herself by wrapping a plastic bag around her head. And the only person who knew that it was them was the bro- was the older brother. And right. she goes, that's, that's who Harry is. Harry's this girl's older brother. And he looks at her and is like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Harry's just like, you don't have to apologize. Because that's not who I am. <laughs> like, and a nice long pause. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm Plank. Plank. So Plank and... is, is a story from the beginning of the movie where... There's this weird kid who was into wizards who brought a wheel of cheese to a party. And that's all you hear about Plank is that story. <laughs> right. You hear that story, but they all and, – and Pete is like, I don't know Plank. And yeah. they're like, what are you talking about? You, you guys were like great friends. It was like – or like like that you guys would always pal around or he was always part of the group. He was in yeah. the group. What are you talking about? But he doesn't remember him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he's Plank. Um, and he's like, well, why are you, were you barking at me? And he's like, cause of the dog thing. Right. And then he's like, well, what about, <laughs> yeah. what, what about the bag on your head? He's like, cause of the cocaine bag <laughs> from earlier tonight. <laughs> and he's yeah. just like, he's just like, just doesn't believe that he's wrong. Right. Like, so not only yeah. does Pete like not get it and doesn't take these jokes and isn't, and isn't a good sport about like palling around with his old friends he also doesn't believe that he's wrong like he has to like admit fault and you know to 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 grow and to move on right um so it basically cuts right from that to her him and sonya driving home well he also says that uh that night like he's like what the hell i you told claire about oh. the fact that I was gonna be a, that I was gonna be That's proposing to Sonya and you ruined it and everything's fucking falling apart and she's like, so you were like, gonna propose to me? Oh, right. And so it's like all these shitty things are happening. And then and, and then another then he says another thing about Claire and Sonya goes, wait, why didn't you want Claire to know? <laughs> yeah, like accusatory. Like, like, and he's like, and it's fuck. Built. Like everything it's just like built. it's like it's right. just it's so and he like, it's he all like, fucking insane. He like breaks down and starts crying and and uh, Harry or Plank is like is like this guy's having a full on nervous breakdown, <laughs> <laughs> and he says that he forgot to take his or he stopped taking his medication. Yeah. And uh, they're like, you're off your meds? And he's like, it's, it's a fucking herbal supplement. Yeah, Which, Archie's like, yeah, I put one of the, I put a, I, put a perker in there. Yeah. Do you still have it? I kind of, can I have that back, actually? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, I just fucking stomped. I stomped him. And then they're like, you're off your medication? And he's like, it's a fucking herbal supplement. Which is funny because through the whole movie, they've been giving him shit for taking herbal supplements. And he's like, no, I really need them. And then here at the end, they're like shocked to find out he's off his meds, and he's yeah. like, "It's just an early, you know." He's... <laughs> Diminishing so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Doing what they were so, doing. So yeah, it, it just everything falls apart, and so yeah. Then the last scene it cuts to him yep. and Sonya on the drive back, the and drive it's just back. silence. Silence, a lot of silence. He finally breaks the silence with, uh, "Look, I get it. If you don't want to marry me, or if you don't even want to date me anymore," and she's like, "She's like." Yep. <laughs> and um, then she like, there's a lot more silence, and then she just like, yeah. la- she just like laughs out loud, 
And it's like, of course I'll marry you, you fucking idiot. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, he's like, what? She's like, I was just kidding. And yeah. they la- like he he like doesn't believe it at first. Are you you mean it? You were just joking. And she's like, you know something, Pete? You can't take a fucking joke. And credits. And he's yeah, and he's just left and he looks out the window. Yeah. <laughs> the other the other thing that she does makes him shittier is because uh, he's talking about the weekend. I realized and um. She's like not along about not wanting to marry him, uh, and she says he apologizes for all the shit that he did that weekend. How awful! Oh, because the other thing that happens at the party is he fucking takes a vase and he smashes it on Harry's head. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> so he's like, he's dying, saying like, "I'm so yeah. sorry about everything that I did this weekend." And she's like, "Well, it's not the worst thing you did." Right, right. It's not the worst thing. You <laughs> and that's when she laughs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then she laughs. So, uh, for me, it's it's not a horror. You know, everything about this, horror. like the everything that's horror about it, they they play up to just subvert your expectation and to to pull the rug out from underneath you and change directions. And it's great. It's refreshing. It's unique. It's cool to see them double down so hard on just being straight about the paranoia and misreading of social situations and the pressures that one feels in your own cliques and the people that you think you know or that you care about and how if you get too wrapped up in your head what happens to you and i love that it did all of that uh and so whenever i think about how i would feel about this i loved so much of it if i detach myself from kind of trying to consider a horror comedy as a film uh, for me, this lands at a seven because of all of the things that it was doing. If I had to rate it as a strict comedy horror, I probably would say for comedy horror, it's it's like a three or a four because it's not a comedy horror. Yeah. But as a film, it's a seven. So for me, I'm giving it a seven. Yeah. I, I, do, I do the exact same thing here. I definitely give it a six as a film. Um, I would recommend it. Uh, it's interesting. It's fresh. Uh it's not a horror comedy, but it's it's a good movie it, that shows me some things that I've never seen movies do before. Um, so you know, kudos to the to the writing team. Um, and uh, as a horror comedy, I I give it a three. So I mean, take that as you will. Like uh, as a movie, it's a, it's a solid six for me. Like I would definitely recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's def- weird because you know it needs a genre to help have an an avenue to reach an audience you know it can't be too ambiguous it yeah needs to be it, somewhere and so like i see why it would do that but comedy I, sure but is it just drama is yeah. it mystery or suspense yeah comedy i would suspense i would maybe call it like dramedy suspense yeah or comedy comedy drama suspense if you can give it all three right. like um suspense is i think the word because you do you, they, they, they even use the music um for the fake outs and there are uh-huh. there are a lot of fake outs they even mu- use the music to like create a fake out in a in a dialogue heavy scene just to like make you feel tense and uneasy like to add to the anxiety that you get from horror movie music 
like while something like while something is not going Pete's way and they're bringing the strings up nice and high so you're just like oh my god and nothing <laughs> happens they just cut to the next scene but it's like yeah. this dialogue that's affecting Pete negatively and and they're definitely pushing um that kind of horror movie suspense mm-hmm. uh, soundtrack on you as a viewer <clears throat> so you know they did, they did a lot of interesting things i just was definitely like it was so misrepresented that I, I wish right. I wish I could have watched it from a different uh, lens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand that. And I mean, I don't know. I guess I just I, I, I don't know for whatever reason uh, it it didn't hang me up, and I was just like I I, mean, I think I just wanted to have fun because for me I I just I didn't react to Choose or Die the way that I wanted to, and so because I watched Choose or Die and then I watched I think I pretty much watched them back to back. I was just so excited to have fun or more fun in this had some jokes right away where I was like, okay, I want this feeling to keep going. I'm getting behind it and I don't give a fuck about anything happening. And so as frustrating as the lack of horror was, it was still uh, extremely captivating without it. So uh, it's, it's a unique film. I'll say that. Uh, I can't recall something. I can't compare it to anything very similar. Uh, I don't know what else is in that universe. Right. So, you want to talk about like British horror comedies? Like I was right. so psyched to to watch this movie. Severance, Shaun of the Dead, Lesbian Vampire Killers, um, Grabbers, uh, Hot Fuzz, even uh, World's End. You know, American Werewolf in London. British horror comedies with dry humor. You know. They're phenomenal, and and Severance is probably one of my favorites. And that was the first thing I thought of when mm-hmm. uh, when I thought of oh all all my friends hate me British horror comedy Severance it was the first thing I thought of. Um, wow, <laughs> like is it not like yet? Yeah, so I'm gonna say wow was I disappointed, but I don't mean it in the way that right this movie wasn't good. I mean it in the way that like I really wanted to see. You know, something like that list of movies I just named. <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you mentioned Severance. So um, years past, I used to do like a, a horror club with a group of people. Right. And we would do – it would be a yearly thing. We would have a, a party in early October. And the party, the way that it was all guided is we would pick four genres of horror film. So, you know, monster movie, foreign – zombie um art house or indie you know and each one of us would then spend the next year watching all kinds of uh horrors in that genre to then bring our best representation of that genre to our our event in one year uh someone had gore something that's just like it this is a gore fucking horror film and they brought the movie Severance. And there's gore in Severance, but it's not over the top a gore movie there, it, at all. Definitely not, no. And, like, you know, there's lots of drinking and just joking around and having fun. But usually we'll watch the movie and then we will talk about how we, what we thought or what we were going for, what was important. Why is this emblematic of the genre film? And this person got up there and they're talking about Severance and, like, they're shit-faced and they're just like everyone knows that this was not a gore movie and we're just like 
this is, I mean, it was a good movie, but it's not a. Uh, and they go, there was great gore. I mean, and a lot of it, you know, was like implied gore. <laughs> like, what the fuck is implied gore? That's not gore. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a scene where the fucking rocket goes up and it hits the plane. Like, what? that's not implied gore. That's just it's no. a dumb gag. Like, it's, yeah. it's so, so. Whenever I hear Severance, um, for me, it's always like is fine. I'm not a big fan of it, uh, but I can't help but always think about that moment where someone brought it as a, a representation of. You didn't like Severance. It was fine. It's like uh, I probably a five or a six. I think if I were to think back at it, oh, sure, I'd have to sure. rewatch it to consider. It's not like um, I'd say like yeah, it's it's representative of uh, British horror comedy. Have you seen uh, by the way, Lesbian Vampire Killers? Uh oh no, you mentioned it and I was like, All oh, right. that's one I don't know anything about. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is not a like cheesy exploitation kind of movie that you might think it is. Uh, it was two thousand nine. It stars James Corbin before yeah. he was before he was super famous, uh, right? No, no, no. Okay. He he's great because he plays the Nick Frost character. So he's a yeah. fucking disgusting vulgar slob in this movie. He's like okay. he's like the guy who takes the hits. You know what I mean? He's not, yeah. He, yeah, he's, like, not a good redeemable character at all. He's not the James Corbin that he would be today. Like, whereas, right. because of his He's talk. unwatchable today. Well, well you know Dude. what I mean. <laughs> okay, right, okay. But, so, you know, did you see what he did after the Will Smith thing happened? No. Have you seen Encanto? No. The Disney, new Disney picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see it, but I haven't seen it. There's a song in it that you might have heard people singing or talking about. Said uh, we don't talk about Bruno. No. He spoofed the song after the Will Smith thing happened, and he's like, and the, he, they did a full-on play of the song, performance piece of the song. We don't talk about Jada. Oh. And like insert her name into the lyrics and talk about everything about it, and it was cringeworthy fucking oh. thing. Oh. Did he get canceled? No, we didn't get canceled because people fucking love him. Suck his uh... stupid fat cock. <laughs> Christ. Uh, anyways. Okay. Uh, well. So he's good in this other movie. Yeah, he's great. He's great because he, he was trying hard because, you know, nobody knew who he was, you know. Right. Or I, def uh... I definitely didn't know who he was in 2009. Sure. <laughs> and, yeah, it's a B movie, like. It, who know, yeah. I, like I don't know his catalog, but it could be one of his earliest works, and it's uh, mm. and it's definitely worth it um, for the for the horror comedy genre. Cool. All right. All right. So um, I think that wraps up episode eighteen. Uh, stay tuned to the Twitter to see what we discuss next week. Um, mm -hmm. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, share. Go to Etsy, buy some T-shirts. I'm repping the X shirt today. Yeah, I got my Sebastian Stan uh, fresh t-shirt here. Yep. One goddamn fucked up horror picture. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, quick, funny <laughs> comment about that. I was talking to a guy <laughs> uh, recently, and he's like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Ving Rhames. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> What'd you say? He's like, yeah, it was Ving Rhames. I was like, no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I'm like looking around like no one else is around. I'm like, it wasn't Ving Rhames, dude. Yeah, no. 
Are, did you see X, or you just you just <laughs> think Big Graham said that? <laughs> they they didn't really see it. They oh. uh, they happened to catch something or a clip or something and just saw the guy's face and he's like, yeah, this is Big Graham's, right? <laughs> it's, it was fucking hilarious because no. it's just like an it's an innocent, honest mistake, but in the, the context of of things, it's like it's uh. It's, that's a trope. It, it's yeah. funny. <laughs> Fucking up. It's an innocent mistake. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, well, um, all right, man. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, for the podcast for the recently deceased, I am Nate Roberts. I am Rodney Godek. Take care. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>